Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Hey guys, so one of the many amazing things about having my podcast is that I get to talk to these amazing people. Many of them become my actual real-life friends. But the funny thing about the podcast is that our very first ever conversation is recorded. And today, I went back and listened to the podcast before I recorded this intro. And I actually recorded this episode over a year ago. And I talked to two people who have really become very, very close friends of mine now. We, it's really funny, you'll hear in the episode, we talk about me coming to visit them in London and, and making an appearance at one of their dinners that they do with their girlfriends. And I did that almost a year ago now. And I've hung out with them both lots of times. And Jill and I were just together last weekend at Kripalu. And we've just become really awesome friends. So that's one of the amazing things about podcasting is that I get to connect with everyone listening and the people who actually come on the show. It's just way cool. So today's episode is with two fellow podcasters. It's Jillian and Ange who host the Holistic Health Diaries podcast and I love them. I found them through podcasting. We connected through podcasting for the first time which you'll hear in a moment Um, and they're just two really really awesome people. Uh, Ange is really like the guru of essential oils, and there'll be info on Whole Fit and, and what she does with essential oils in the show notes of this episode. And it's it's interesting, you know, lots has, has changed since we recorded this, lots has stayed the same, but um, they're just two really awesome, groovy, cool, amazing people. So check out the archive of their podcast and explore that and also just really enjoy this conversation. We get into everything from holistic pregnancy and holistic living and meal prepping in a really mindful way and how you can enjoy healthy eating but not in a disordered way in a really pleasurable fun way and you know just some interesting habits that that they both have and really enjoy. I learn a lot from them. I love them. I know that you will too and I'm really excited for you to to enjoy this episode. So as always if you want to support the show best way to do it tell a friend. That would be really cool. Another really cool way to do it, leave a review on iTunes. I love giving this content, and if you find any value in it at all, it would be so amazing if you could toss some stars my way on iTunes. You actually have to launch the application, but it's so worth it, and it only takes two minutes, so that would be amazing. And, you know, again, if you're finding value in the show, um, you know, just share it with a friend. That's great. If you want to donate, there's a way to do that in the show notes as well. Um, But I'm just really grateful that I'm able to do this. And like I said, I'm outsourcing some of the production now. So I'm hoping that the show will be weekly or 
at the very least bi-weekly for sure, so every other week for sure, and very soon it's going to be weekly again because I just love recording these intros and I feel like I'm hanging out with you guys and I love being in your ears while you're driving, while you're folding laundry, while you're walking, all of the above. So if you have a guest you really want to see on the show, let me know. Tweet at me. Um, If you have a topic that you'd like me to cover, if you have any feedback for me at all, I would love it. So just send me an email if you're listening and you've found value in the show. My email is just my name at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. Subscribe on iTunes and like I said a billion times at this point, tell a friend. And make sure you're on my VIP email list. If you're listening to this on your phone, make sure you're on my email list just so you know when really cool things are coming up. I'm, I'm doing a lot of new things um, that are going to be really fun and I think you guys will really like. So if you get on my VIP list, you get my list of Katie's favorite things, all the things I love. Um, so yeah, you know, I'll put the link to, to get on that in the show notes as well. I love you guys. I know you're going to love my friends Ange and Jill. I They're just, they're so cool and I know you're going to love them. So, all right, that's it. And I will talk to you guys soon. Welcome back, everyone, to Wonderland for the podcast. I'm super grateful and excited to have two fellow podcast hostesses in the Wellness Wonderland today. And if you love my show, you either already love or you must absolutely get into their show, The Holistic Health Diary, which is a rad podcast that covers Everything from living more green, eating more green, and spending your green responsibly. I love their little tagline. And because, like I always say in Wonderland, every time you spend money, you're voting. And I know that these girls are so awesome and totally believe that as well. So like I said, their show is amazing. They're a dynamic duo that has amazing synergy and flow when they're together. So you've really got to check it out. And individually, they're pretty awesome as well. So Ange, we'll start with her, is a wellness mama of two. She's a personal trainer, a nutritionist, the founder of wholefit.com, mother of two girls, and she's just a glowing, awesome person. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more today. She inspires people worldwide to get into health and wellness and to be passionate about taking their health into their own hands, to be around for their children and their families and really excel in their lives. So she has an amazing online coaching program and we'll get into all that she does. And her partner in crime, Jill, is amazing as well. She's currently completing her doctoral studies degree at Western University in London, Ontario, which is where they're from, in health and rehabilitation science. And Jill's research examines health promotion, specifically around childhood obesity childhood obesity, physical activity, and diabetes. So Jill is passionate about holistic health as well. She's a yoga teacher, president of the Western chapter of the Canadian Obesity Network, and just an awesome lady all around, a scrunchie wearer we were talking about before the call. And so anyways, the authenticity in their podcast makes me feel like I already know them. So I'm so excited to speak with them in real time today. So thank you guys for stopping by Wonderland. 
Wow. Wow. That Can we uh, just carry you around in our pocket? Of day? course. Please. <laughs> please. We're so happy to be here in Wonderland with you today. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Of course. <laughs> this is this is going to be really rad. I was thinking about it before, and um, I bet there's a lot of people who enjoy both of our podcasts, so for us to come together is probably super cool. It's super mm-hmm. cool for me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's scrunchtastic. Yeah, it sure is. sure is. <laughs> Um, well, I guess, you know, a good place to jump in would just be to zoom the lens back and find out more about both of you. So I'd like to hear how you each came to this work being wellness junkies that you are now. And also, I'd love to hear the story of how you met and um, what what brought you together. So I don't know who wants to start with your stories. Want to go in? Sure. Um, so I guess going backwards, I I've always had a passion for for all things healthy and, and using myself as a bit of a guinea pig, right? So if I, if I go back to even when I was a teenager, I started, I got my first personal training certification and took some of those little cheesy nutrition courses that are offered and, and was kind of dabbling um, while I was in a corporate job and, and spent <clears throat> about 12 years in that job working, you know, climbing my way up the ladder. And uh, it wasn't until I had my kids. So my, my oldest, Chloe, she's five. When I had her and, and had the luxury of having a year mat leave, um, during that time, I, I was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm going to stop this rat race and really do what I feel like I was put on this earth to do. And, and I, I've always had my head in health books, um, very passionate about it. I've always been a seeker of information that I think might help other people and I love to share. So I launched WholeFit um, back five, a little over five years ago, and at that time I was just, you know, doing tons of information for free, putting out lots of blog posts and recipes and information I thought would just genuinely help people because I really love to be in service to others, and um, it kind of evolved. To be honest, I never, I never saw it turning into what it was today. I've just always had a passion to share. And I am so fulfilled today. I can't even imagine doing what I used to do in a, in a corporate job. And, um, and I would say I, I really credit that to the experience of becoming a mom that, that gave me the time to step out of my life and, and reanalyze and then also want to do something that really matters because I was now a mother and it was important to me for my own kids. So, so that, that was kind of what launched my, my career in this. I became a holistic nutritionist, and I was doing a lot of one-on-one work for the first couple of years. And then about two years ago, I took everything online um, so I could work smarter you know, and have more of a, a reach and more of an effect on more people. So now I do a lot of online group coaching programs. I have a four-week series called Eat Clean, Get Lean, um, and I run that three times a year and a guided seven-day detox that I do with large groups. And I, I love um, that you know community you can build online and creating connections for people that maybe wouldn't otherwise have those people in their life being where they are geographically. So um, I love the online learning realm. Yeah, I love that, Ange. And I think, you know, just to pick up on something from your story that, you know, for a lot of people, I think it starts with the body and it starts with getting into this for your own personal health. And then you see the results of how good your body can feel and be. And you just can't help but want to share that. And I know that was the case for me. I was sharing with, you know, my family and my friends and my roommates and 
um, you know, people on the street and just anyone and mm-hmm. till it got excessive until the point I needed to just start a blog. And um, yeah. that's kind of, I think, how this evolves. <clears throat> and um, and I, it's just a beautiful story. I love that. So how about you, Jill? How about me? Okay. So I've, I've always been into health. My mom uh, is super healthy and like I've done a lot of like growing up, she was always really uh, teaching me and sort of a really good model of health. And Such a lucky way to grow up. I love that. Mm-hmm. I know. My mom's awesome. Like she's amazing. And the oldest of seven kids. So she just has been an amazing model for me of uh, yeah. so many things. So grew up really healthy, really active. I played a lot of competitive sports. I was a competitive skier uh, and soccer player. And then I went to Western University, which is a university here in London, Ontario, where we live. And I did a degree in health sciences. And then I going through school, wanted to go to med school because if you're good at science, that's kind of what you want to do. And, and then I realized like, I didn't want to do that. I had no, I liked health. So after I finished my undergraduate degree, I went and worked at the health unit here in London, uh, and worked in public health and did research there. And I loved research and I I really realized that that's something I wanted to do, but I wanted to do my own research. So in order to do that, you've got to have more degrees under your belt. So I headed back to Western and I did my master's degree in health and rehabilitation science and I specialized in child and youth health. And, uh, and then I'm there still, so I'm like an eternal student, uh, finishing up my PhD in health and rehabilitation science. And, uh, it's taking on a more, uh, it's kind of evolving my, my degree right now. And I'm sort of working with the business school now and working to look at online using like online media as a platform for improving health of uh, children and youth. So that's kind of my academic background. I, I started teaching at Western last year, which is super fun. And I taught um, the first year health science class with 500 students. So nice. that, my, my first class ever was in front of 500 students. So it was awesome. They were amazing and uh, love that. And I realized through doing that, that that's something I'm really passionate about. I love teaching. Every time a class is over, I'd have this like huge adrenaline high because it's just amazing. Aww. And uh, so, and one of the things like I, I feel is something that I want to give to the world is that I research can be really scary and intimidating and how, and I find like, you know, in the, in everyday life, you hear on the radio, the study, that study, you don't know if it's a good study or a bad study or what it means. So one thing that I really love to do is read science and read literature and then turn it into a form that everybody can understand and that, that is relevant in everyday life because things that happen in the lab aren't necessarily what happens in real life. And how do you kind of bridge that gap? So that's kind of where I see myself. So to do that, I'm also, I write for a bunch of different magazines. Um, I started, my first magazine I wrote for was Oxygen Magazine because I went through a brief period where I wanted to be a fitness model. And so I, I entered an Oxygen Magazine model search and I won it. And then I realized I didn't really want to be the model on the page, but I wanted to write for the magazine. So I did recipe development. I write for uh, Inside Fitness, which is Canada, a big fitness magazine up here in Canada. And... Uh, Sweat Equity and Chatelaine and a whole bunch of other ones. So I do that. And together, Angie and I have our Holistic Health Diary podcast. And what? Oh, examine.com. Yep. yep. Thanks, Angie. <laughs> I'm on the advisory board, examine.com. That's a new thing for me, which I'm super proud of because examine is this awesome online uh, website that, again, is that same philosophy. They take science and they break it down. And everything that's done there is researched, researched vetted, and done in a really good way. So... I uh, do that, and I actually my newest thing I've been doing is going on the Home Shopping Network (HSN) down in Florida. So cool! And it's actually so fun. Their slogan is "It's fun here." 
and it actually is like the funnest place. It's so fun there. So I go on uh, the Home Shopping Network, HSN, and uh, I'm a guest host there. So I just started doing that this year. So that's pretty fun. That's amazing. And my mom like adores that. She loves that and David Avocado and you and like it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's so fun. Yeah. I I love that. So a couple things on your story I want to pick up on are just – it makes me feel like I can't when you were speaking about the fact that you taught the class in front of um, the 500 people and it just you being in the educational system makes me feel better about the educational system and uh-huh. it's just awesome that there's someone who has this knowledge of health and wellness and nutrition and just general <laughs> lifestyle and is there teaching people because I think you know and and you both would probably agree with me that in a lot of settings, there's a disconnect there. And I think that's where your work, um, why your work is so important, both of you, but but Jill with the with the educational system. And um, so I, I love that. But also, Jill, I want to know, so when your degrees are complete, um, where do you see yourself being and, and taking that and using it? Do you think you'll still be in the classroom setting teaching more or in an online way? You know what? That's a that's an amazing question, and to be honest, I have no idea, and I'm okay with that. But uh, yeah. I love teaching, and so I don't know where that's gonna. I want to teach a lot of people, like yeah. big scale, and so whatever that kind of evolves to. My thing right now is I'm just really open, and when opportunities come, I even if they're scary or weird, like to me, I was terrified the first day when I went in front of to teach, and I loved it. So I'm just kind of open to see what happens in terms of, you know, if I teach, I want to teach for sure, but I just don't know where or what form or me, it'll probably be multiple forms knowing me, like I like to do a lot of different things. And, uh, so who knows, you know, like with creativity and, and being the way things are, it's just, I have no idea, but we'll see, you know, I'm I'm sure it'll constantly be evolving, but yeah, I think so too. And I know that (laughs) wherever it goes, it's going to be really, really cool and awesome. <laughs> I, think, I do too. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt. And I think, you know, I like what you said there that, you know, when you first started that class, you were nervous. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important to um, kind of pick up on that because we can kind of use our feelings as road signs, right, of where to lean in. And, and that feeling of fear, sometimes leaning into that is important because that means something big is about to happen, something you were supposed to be do, supposed to do, and to really lean into that and follow that is important for our expansion as people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like if I reflect back and look at my life, you know, in the past couple years, a lot of the most amazing things that I do or that I love or the people that I know are because I was scared, yeah. but I reached out, I did it anyway, you try it, you know, and, and to me, that's where all like the good stuff is, right? You have to face your fears and just do it anyway. Absolutely. Feel the fear and, yeah. and move through it. Mm-hmm. Mm, love that. So I want to talk about how you guys balance this lifestyle that you live, living a healthy, holistic lifestyle. And, you know, that is obviously so important in the lives of all three of us, but without becoming too obsessive or too restrictive and too much losing the pleasure in your life, right? So you guys have had multiple guests on where you've discussed eating disorders and you've discussed some really powerful things. So 
how can how do you guys make sure that you're living this lifestyle for enjoyment but also making sure there's pleasure in your life and that you promote that in all that you teach and share yeah I think that's a really good point because balance is so elusive we all think it's something you're going to have all the time and you just don't and um, I think it's important to be really clear about what your kind of your core priorities are whether you want to call that core um, feelings or core tasks or habits that you do every day Um, and it's I'm a big believer and proponent of the 80-20 kind of approach within your day or within your week. Um, you know, so when it comes to food strategy, for example, and how you eat, uh, you know, keeping a good part of your day routine around clean whole foods and then letting life happen sometimes too. Like I, I, I have kids, we go for pizza, you know, we have ice cream, like we do things because I think if you, if you have this approach with health that it has to be this job it's never going to be enjoyable and, and it needs to really be sustainable and something that, um, yeah, you know, you have consistency within, but then you also have those times where you just let loose and have fun. And I, and I think the vibe of our show is definitely one that we, we want people to come and listen and, and take something. Absolutely. But we also demystify and have fun with what we're talking about so that people feel like health is approachable and something they can have in their life. And it's not this big, complicated thing. Yes, I love that. And I love that you shared that, that I think it's really important because so often we're as people who are in this industry and people who are passionate about this and very clearly, you know, eat in a certain way and do things most of the time in a certain way, even when we do do things that are in that 20%, we're not often sharing about it and we're not often talking mm-hmm. about it. So I, and so it's very easy for people who, you know, maybe look, look up to you guys to think, oh, well, they would never do that. And then they feel bad about themselves. So it's great to like out yourself and, and say that because it, I think it can really kind of take people off the hook and it makes you yeah. so relatable and real, which is beautiful. Yeah, and I think for me too, I've I've been to a lot of extremes. Like when I was doing fitness modeling, my nutrition and my workouts were extreme. They were mapped out for me. And I do really well. I'm a very organized person. So I have to watch because I do really well on a schedule where I check boxes when and I was to the point where I was measuring my food. So with dinner I would have four ounces of chicken and I would literally get out my kitchen scale and weigh my chicken. Yeah. And and I that kind of And I did it almost mindlessly because I was writing my master's degree at the time and I just kind of did it because I had a coach and I wanted to achieve a goal and so I was doing what what it took to do that. And then I kind of stopped and I reflected and I thought, this is crazy, like what I'm doing and and I'm not enjoying food anymore. I was looking at food not from a perspective of enjoyment and I would carry food around with me. I was constantly like, when's my next meal? When's my, and it was this life that I didn't want to be living. And I I thought, okay, this is, this something's got to change. So I kind of, again, got back to that, you know, everything like life is meant to be enjoyed Mm. and you can be healthy and you can be happy and it doesn't need to be hard because once you get into, you know, a routine, like I set my kitchen up for success. So I have, you know, I go to the market on the weekend and I'll buy lots of fruits and vegetables and healthy food and I have them in the fridge and they're ready to go. But at the same time, I kind of honor my body and I always, I'm a student of my body. So I've really connected with that and that's what kind of guides me. So if I eat food that doesn't feel good in my body, I won't do it. Feel good in my body, so I won't eat it. But at the same time, like Ange said, like life is meant to be enjoyed. Like I was in New York last week and I'm a huge Sex and the City fan. 
And uh, so, of course, I went to Magnolia Bakery. I was just going to say, I bet that was right? really soft. And I got one of the, a cute cupcake with sprinkles on it. And I sat there and I ate it and I enjoyed every minute of it. because I love that. Without guilt, without anything, because yeah. that's life. And I think that's a huge piece is that mm-hmm. people feel this guilt whenever they do something yes. that they deem isn't healthy or good yep. or whatever. But And it, you're right. It's absolutely like if you look at someone online and the pictures they post, like I actually think I posted my cupcake. I did post my cupcake um, because a lot of people that eat healthy, they just, they only post that, right? right. And, and I know Ange and I both like that authenticity piece is so important to us. The life that we live is a life that we live every single day and there's yeah. nothing fake or staged or mm-hmm. anything about it. And I think that's why we're able to connect with so many people is because it's coming from that place of real life. Like we live real life. Ange has kids. I have a dog, <laughs> but mm-hmm life is there every single day and it's meant to be lived and enjoyed and you can set yourself up for success and uh, not feel guilty about things along the way. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. We are so on the same page. The The tagline of the Wellness Wonderland is the place for radical authenticity and you guys definitely I live in your Wellness Wonderland. And mm. the the interesting thing I think about, about your story, Jill, is the fact I have a very similar personality, very organized and very, you know, if I have a system and a plan and a meal plan, like done, boom, you know, mm-hmm. and disciplined just is my personality. So there were in a lot of ways um, that way of being and way of eating is comforting to me because mm-hmm. you the thinking is taken out of it, right? The yeah. the having to think about it is completely taken out of it. And it's interesting that you said, you know, you were doing your master's degree at the time. And the time when I was really restrictive and, um, and my eating disorder was when I was a student. And I think it is because, you know, you're busy during that time and you just, you can, you can kind of like take it off of your plate and be like, okay, in this very, live in this very controlled way of being. Because mm-hmm. a lot of your peers um, aren't aren't doing that, aren't, aren't in that space. So I think that's interesting to just have that acknowledgement and mm-hmm. that awareness and say, you know, this is one way to do it and one way to be. Or there's a way to be that's more pleasurable and more able to feel the, the highs and lows of life without the guilt. And it's a process. And to say that, you know, I'm completely there and I – don't feel I don't you know double check my mind when I've eaten something that's not in my you know eating strategy whatever that is it's that would be a lie but I think you know that is the path that I'm on and you know I had a coach very early on tell me that if it's going to stress you out not to eat something or guilt you not to eat something that stress and that guilt are worse than the food itself whether it was a cupcake or a deep fried Snickers bar, I don't know, Um, whatever it was, the guilt and the stress are worse. So just eat it and enjoy it. But just like you said there, sit down and enjoy it and taste it and be present with it, not, you know, standing in front of the fridge or or by the cabinet. So I think that that's a really, really important thing that we highlighted. And I'm so glad that we went there. Absolutely. And I find a lot of people... And I, myself, I've been there as well. You kind of live your life on autopilot and you just go through your day and 
And when you actually take time to stop and be present in the moment, it changes everything because you're not just eating because you need food to fuel your workout, to fuel your day, to get through work, to you're eating because you're nourishing your body and you're enjoying the food. And when you can change your perspective and not be on autopilot, but be present in every day, it changes everything. You become more grateful, more mindful of what you're doing. And it, and it totally shifts your relationship with food when you can be present when you're eating. Yes. Especially. Yes. So amazing. And I think, you know, another thing I wanted to pick up on from your story, Jill, was how you spoke about now how you go to the market and you make sure that you're setting yourself up for success in the kitchen. And I know, Ange, that is a huge part of what you teach and preach um, with Whole Fit. And I think that I'd love for you guys to both talk about um, how you do that specifically and the importance of meal prep. But this is not, I feel like that word meal prep, you know, mm-hmm. I think of like Instagram photos of like e- extremely sa- like um, portion controlled <laughs> things and like Tupperware. Yeah. But right. you guys do it in a really fun, pleasurable way, but also setting yourself up for success. Because to me, like, and if you have personalities like us, that organization and that prep is self-care and is pleasure because then you're opening the kitchen you're opening the refrigerator when you're hungry and you have pleasurable high vibe food right there for you so can you guys both talk about the importance of that in your lives yeah I'll speak a bit one of the very first classes I launched online was me in my kitchen and I did a webinar of my actual meal prep session I remember thinking like I don't know if this would actually be something people would even care about but it's been the most popular thing I ever did because I think, first of all, our generation, we have not been raised in the kitchen, right? We, we kind of, we were part of that fast food generation when we were growing up. And so we didn't really witness our own mothers in the kitchen because they were starting to get stressed and busy in their own lives around that point. So um, I think we've lost the art of being in the kitchen and, and making foods from scratch. So I, I kind of went on this journey. I became very, you know, barefoot in the kitchen and maternal when I had the kids. And I, I really wanted to just, I wanted to embrace being home. And so I, I started getting really passionate about home cooking and slow food. And, and so I, I created this class and, and I use this system and I want to mention a few things that I do just to really make meal prep fun. Um, you know, one of the things I use is an online meal planner called plan to eat. And in there, I have about 1,200 healthy recipes, and I teach women how to, you know, use it to to plan out their week. And um, you know, it, it's so awesome because you could, like, let's say you have black beans in your fridge. You go in and you type black beans, and it pulls up every recipe that you've stored on there so of things cool. you could make with those black beans. And so when I teach the the class, I teach people how to have just healthy basics in their fridge all the time. Not necessarily, like you said, chicken and broccoli portioned out in 40 Tupperware jars, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, what do you do when you open your fridge and you have sprouts and cooked quinoa and black beans and maybe some chicken that you had crock-potted or something? You know, how do you throw those together and make an actual meal in five minutes? Because I think that's the key. We're all very busy. Um, And I, Jill will share her own approach. My, My approach is a Sunday afternoon. My husband takes the kids out. I make a giant mess in the kitchen. I turn on the tunes. I burn some essential oils. I, you know, I'm just kind of, I make it a fun experience and I take about two hours and I make a big mess and then clean it up before they get home. And now we've, we have good food in our fridge till about Thursday of the week. And then I do another top up session midweek, but, but that's it. And then we always have things in our fridge for quick grabs. That's amazing. I love that so much. It really takes the pressure off 
Could you, um, before, Jill, before we kind of talk about what you do, Ange, could you just tell us maybe like one or two go-tos that you've done recently or that have been hits in your family? Yeah. Uh, my favorite crock pot recipe. I, first of all, I'm such an advocate of the crock pot, slow cooker, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, I use mine almost every single day, whether I'm cooking breakfast overnight, like an overnight oats in the crock pot, or I'll wrap like sweet potatoes in foil in the crock pot. I use yeah. it almost every day to take you out. You can do the- that? So you just wrap yeah. the sweet potatoes in the crock pot and you just stick them in? That's it. You and do you put her- water in there or anything? Nope. You don't have to. Oh. I'm going to try that. I've never done that. Yeah. Oh, that's you can, oh, you know what the best one is? You can put a whole butternut squash in there. You know how hard those <gasps> are to cook sometimes? Yes. Yeah. And then it's cooked for you when you get home. Chicken you just throw it out. When I'm doing a big squash like that, I'll put like an inch of water in the bottom, just enough so it doesn't burn. Uh-huh. Um, and then when you come home, you just take out the seeds, throw it in your Vitamix, and you've got soup. Wow. My mind is blown. Right? <laughs> I know. pots rock. Wait, so um, let's go back to the sweet potatoes. So you put them, yeah. you have to put them in the tin foil. Why do you have to put them in the tin foil? Um, I do that. Otherwise, it'll be a big pot of mush. Gotcha. So, so you put in the tin foil, no water, just put it in and let it go for like four, on low. four hours on low. On low. If you're going to be out like for the whole day mm-hmm. working or something, add an inch of water in the bottom. Um, just to, to prevent the burning. Just to prevent burning. Yeah. But yeah, I one of my favorite this meals. Is amazing. I know. <laughs> I have a crock potting class coming out in the fall. So yes, I'm, I'm gonna, in. Should, yeah, totally take it. So anyway, um, I made this lentil taco meat. I make this once a week, and it's so easy. Uh, I can I'll send you the recipe so you can post in the show notes. But it's yeah. basically like salsa, lentils, bunch of veggies like mushrooms, zucchini. Um, and then some veggie broth and spices and you let that just cook. And then what I do, cause I have two kids that I have to be a little sneaky with. So I, I just take a little hand immersion blender and mer- mash it all up after it's cooked in the crock pot. And then it's like taco meat and wow. we put that on um, lettuce wraps. It's mm. really good. That sounds delicious. I want to come over. Okay. <laughs> I know we're not that far from each other. I know we've got to hang out. We got to do something cool. We have to like have an event and have all of our community come and eat lentil cool. tacos or something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, um, yum. So, so my, my, I guess my, yeah. I'm very similar to Ange. Uh, I try to have this rule and it, it doesn't always happen, but most of the time it does, is that I don't like to put things away until they're washed and cut mm. and ready to go. So, you know, like when you come home from yeah. the grocery store, you shove things in the fridge. So what I'll do is I'll come home and I'll put on a podcast and do, cleaning the cutting um in an ideal world it doesn't always happen but that's my goal yeah and uh so the so because I'm a geeky science person I've I played around with what's the best way to store my produce in the fridge so I also am like obsessed with like infomercials and things (laughs) because I like in terms of buying things on tv like I'm a huge sucker so I bought have you seen those bags that they're like the Debbie's green bags the green bags Yeah. yeah so I bought I got those and then I got uh Tupperware or Rubbermaid or one of those makes these like veggie containers that are they're plastic but they're BPA free and then they have this like little insert that goes along the bottom it almost looks like a grate and then so it allows like if you had like water dripping off your your veggies it like pools in the bottom but your veggies don't sit in it so I got used that I used like regular containers and I put a whole bunch of vegetables in all the three and I kept them for a week to see which one kept my produce the freshest. You're such a nerd. Yeah. I love it. And the answer was the thing with the insert on the bottom. That's so, so cool. Yeah, but I'm sure you could just like 
make it. Make it. Like anything yeah. that elevates your your produce a little bit so like it doesn't sit in the water it actually really extends the life very nicely and same as the lettuce and stuff I feel like getting that little bit of air underneath prevents like your spinach from going wilty as much or your kale it kind of gives mm -hmm. it a little bit of flow in the container so that's what I do and that, it, that works the best well, <laughs> so I do geeky things like that but that was one of them so then I'm the same way like I used to find cooking really scary because I didn't know what to do and so I started taking cooking classes with my mom and they were raw food cooking classes, which I was, I went raw vegan for a while. And, uh, but I started using things like my dehydrator and a spiral slicer and my Vitamix all the time. And that allowed me the raw cooking. You have to get really creative in the kitchen in order to eat. So that skill set that I learned, I've now been able to incorporate into my life and so I have fun in the kitchen and I'm creative and I used to I used to be again that my personality like follow a recipe like I would actually measure everything out and mm. now I just kind of throw things together and see what happens and I experiment in the kitchen and I have fun with it and sometimes I make dinners that don't taste awesome and sometimes I make amazing dinners and but I think taking that that fear and that because cooking can be an intimidating process if you, especially if you don't have a lot of experience or know what you're doing, but if you can kind of make it fun, like Ange said, you know, really, um, enjoy, enjoyable, then it, it changes a lot. And I also love to listen to podcasts while I cook. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause then I feel, yeah, I love it. It's like my favorite thing. Hey Katie, I want to mention one thing we do here in London. Yeah. Um, Jill and myself and a couple of our girlfriends, we get together once a month and we oh, have yeah. this healthy. I love board. this. I've heard you guys talk about this. It's so yeah. Great. And maybe something that the listeners could do as well. It, we call it love and lemons and we get together and every month we have a theme. And so we're all making new recipes every month and we all have assignments and it's just a really fun way to learn about new foods and find new recipes. I, I know myself, every time I'm on a specific dish, I go out to like you know, winners or the equivalent would be uh, Marshalls for you guys. And, and I go out and buy myself a new dish and it's just fun. Like we, you, you learn about a lot of different foods and recipes. So something to maybe think about. And sometimes like the, with the themes, you really have to get creative and try new things. So it's really fun because most of the time we're all trying new recipes mm -hmm. when we cook and, and it's great and we, we have fun with it. So yeah. And it, it's a good way, you know, when you have your girlfriends and you want to, catch up all the time. It's one of those things like, oh, let's do lunch, let's do dinner, and then it never really happens. Yes. So this way it kind of forces us or like it commits us to getting mm -hmm. together. And then we we make sure it's healthy. So you know, no matter what we do, it's not like when you go out with your friends and you go out for like pizza or whatever, right? So yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that's I, I yeah, highly recommend talk about that and a couple maybe the most recent one about the pause, I'm not sure. But anyways you guys spoke about this and ever since I've been like, oh my God, I have to do that in my local community because it's so true. I've been meaning to get together a, a group of people and a group that um, I know a lot of them and some of them know each other, but they may not know each other. And um, But I know that would, they would connect. And I think that this is a great way to just like you said, get together all those people you've been meaning to hang out with, it with but sometimes it's just a struggle to actually make the time and then you know mm -hmm. doing this really cool way of getting you all to go into the kitchen and have a cool theme and sometimes it's you know sometimes going to a restaurant is is fun and nice but you know sometimes depending on the restaurant you can be like salad minus the croutons minus the cheese and so it's like yeah. iceberg <laughs> lettuce and there's nothing and and you know and I think like it's it's really nice to 
do this in a in a fun way. And one of the things I heard you guys say is you you have these themes which are awesome. One of them was yellow. I know you guys <laughs> spoke about which is really cool. Where you made like super creative yellow things and you all wore yellow and you played the Coldplay song. It was like super. Yeah. Rad. <laughs> but um, but the nice thing is that at these events, I think you guys said and you can expand on this is that I think it's really nice that people kind of let go of their eating strategy in lieu of community, right? Because it all goes back to that pleasure conversation we originally had, which is that's the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal why we're doing any of this is for pleasure, to feel good in our bodies, to feel good in our community. So I love that you guys um, kind of let go of the reins and all prepare something with love and know that that's the most important ingredient. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I One of the things I do in my Eat Clean Get Lean program throughout the four weeks is every week they have a different type of strategy with their food. Mm. Um, and I just finished the program the last, the summer rounds. So that's probably why I'm using the word strategy so much as I talk. <laughs> but what I, what I want to teach, and it's mostly women that take this program with me, but what I want to teach them is that there will never be one diet that you subscribe to, quote unquote, your whole life. And I, I don't... You know, I think that it's important that we pay attention to how we feel when we eat, and that will shift. I know, you know, Jill and I have talked in the podcast before about this, but in the summer, for example, when the weather's warmer, you're probably naturally craving more raw foods yes. or even maybe more vegan foods. And, and it's an interesting thing to, to learn about your body when you see yourself go through those phases. And then in the winter, you're, you know, you're craving those seasonal squashes and heavier foods and most likely meats, you know, foods that are going to put a little bit of pounds on the body. Um, and that's a good thing, right? But often if we subscribe to something, we, we really miss those cues from our body. So that's what's been cool about this dinner group is that, yeah, some of us maybe have had hangups about eating fish in the past or meat or um, whatever it is. And we gather and we're open, you know, we just want to try new things and we learn about ourselves. And the other thing that's really cool is I think it's really important to surround yourself with people that inspire you, people that you feel comfortable with, that you can talk to, that you can teach, that you can learn from. And so this dinner is a really great way. All the women in our group are amazing, accomplished, ambitious, smart women. And so to just to be in that presence and that energy every month is really, really. I love that. I wish that I lived slightly closer so I could come. <laughs> you should come. love to have you. You could be a yeah. guest of honor one time. You should come up for it. Oh my gosh. I, oh my okay, gosh. Done. Whole, done. Like, we were talking about yes. it after the episode. I cannot oh, wait. Oh, to the Mad Hatter tea party. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Wellness Wonderland. Love it. Katie in Wonderland. Yeah. Amazing. Um, oh, this is so good. I just love you guys. So, um, and... <laughs> I would love to talk. So you're you're a, you're a mama. You've got amazing children, and I would love if you could talk about um, the healthy, holistic pregnancy process because I know we have a lot of mamas to be listening to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, do you want to learn what I my own approach was, or yeah, just kind of any um, like top line tips that you have and any of your own experience? Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, first of all, I think to backtrack a little bit, I think it's super important to really respect the process that's happening when you have a baby and, and try to be in your best health before you get pregnant. Yeah. Um, I, I think because, well, and actually today it's, it seems like more women are struggling with, with fertility and trying to get pregnant, but it's something that most women feel is a rite of passage. And I think that we don't um, respect it enough to, to take the time to create a healthy home for the growing baby. So I think, I think that's the most important piece is really, 
um, try to clean everything up before you even start to try to get pregnant. And then through pregnancy, you can very safely maintain an active lifestyle. I mean, I, I know myself personally, I was swimming. I love to swim during my pregnancies and I weight trained right up till 40 weeks with both kids. Um, so I didn't have this you know, extreme amount of weight that I put on my body during pregnancies um, and it made everything a lot better. I actually ended up having two C-sections. Uh, the first one wasn't by choice, but I, I attribute my healthy lifestyle to helping me recover really quickly from an actual very traumatic experience. So um, you just don't know what you're going to face. And I think, you know, you, you must do everything you can to, to be healthy. And it's, I, I despise um, the statements, you know, oh, you can eat whatever you want when you're pregnant, you know, and, and that, that really, we've been so misled in, in thinking that uh, it's just this kind of free-for-all to eat whatever we want because we need a certain amount of extra calories per day, for example. That's really ill advice. It's, uh, it's a very important time to be healthy because everything you do is impacting your growing baby. And, you know, something that I actually experienced, I was, um, I was vegan um, for most of my first pregnancy and all of my second pregnancy. And I thought at that time that that was the best diet or approach. And, um, you know, a couple years ago, I think that the whole vegan approach to eating really took off because there wasn't a lot of education about how to properly incorporate animal products into your diet. So I was of the belief that was the best thing. And, and what I actually ended up learning through that experience, my, my second, my youngest, um, Emerson, she had eczema her whole first year of life. And it led me on this journey to make that gut health connection. Um, you know, something like eczema, for example, is a very internal issue. It very rarely is because of things we're putting on our skin. Um, and I, what I learned through that is that perhaps my, my, the foods that I ate during pregnancy did not actually create the healthiest, um, you know, ecosystem within her body. So, that was a really humbling experience, right, for me, because she, that was a very visible, I mean, people could see it on my little baby that she wasn't, you know, quote unquote, super healthy. And here I am, you know, trying to navigate and, and, and um, share lots of healthy advice for people. So, so that took me on this journey. And uh, before you knew it, I was boiling bones in my kitchen and, <laughs> you know, creating foods rich in gelatin. And, yep. and, I, and I, I was able to help her body heal 100%. Um, so, that taught me that very important lesson that we can't we can't look at food as the enemy, yeah. and and we can't look at food as what we know today is always going to be the way because it, it just mm-hmm. won't. We have to be open to to what we might learn. Yes, I before you go on, I just have to pick up on that because I'm so glad that you shared that story. And again, it mirrors mine in so many ways. I I too, you know, I I now think of um, being vegan and being raw as almost a stepping stone. And it was what got me into this work. And I know um, either Ange or Jill, I've heard both of you, one of you um, speak about this book, The Beauty Detox Solution and Kimberly Snyder's Way of Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And an amazing book. Love it. Wonderful. But I I thought that that was the only way to do it for a very long time and was very restrictive in in that way. And then, again, same thing with my skin. I, I was breaking out. I had acne and I realized that hmm, maybe in a same thing. I would, just like what you said with your baby, I felt, you know, here I am promoting health and wellness, but I'm very visibly not in the space where I am promoting. And that was difficult for me to kind of, it was a great teacher to look at what I was doing and see, hmm, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's other things to add in. And then, and then same thing, really 
cultivating that gut health, which is so important and and so important in pregnancy as well. So I just love that you shared that because I think our eating strategies really evolve. And just like what you said, Jill, about really using your body as a big experiment to to figure out what works best for you over time. And, And over time, you know, I know for me, you start to notice what what feels good when you eat it and what doesn't. And so it's, I'm just so glad that you shared that. And I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And I want to connect back to what Jill was saying earlier about enjoying life and food. And I think it's important that every woman go through a, uh, a journey of just really loving food before they get pregnant. And, and um, I say that because you want, you, you know, you don't want to lose your connection with um, enjoyment because when you have a baby, you know, you, it's very easy to fall into the system of just eating foods that are convenient. And, you know, you really want to have a good experience. And, and like you guys shared with, you know, when you're in school and you're very regimented, it was easier to kind of fall into that routine with food. And, and that all goes out the door when you have a baby, you, you lose that time and those systems. So it's important to just have a relationship with food where you learn what feels good in your body and what's really nourishing you because that's going to really sustain you when you have a when you're pregnant and when you have a baby. So that's kind of all I'll say about that. There's obviously um, I, I think bottom line it's it's the, probably the most important time in your life to to really be healthy is those few months before you get pregnant and and during pregnancy. Mm, so good. I love that. And you the perfect segue because I was going to ask directed at Jill next since you're a student and we have tons of students listening to the show I would love if you could share some of your favorite tips for green living and healthy living as a busy student and being where you are in your life mm-hmm. you know what that's it's been a total process that I've learned but I've been in school for a million years now so I'm kind of getting it down <laughs> campuses I don't know if your campuses in the States are the same, but ours, like, it's unbelievable how unhealthy they are. Totally. Yeah. Like, there is a, we have Tim Hortons here, which is like our coffee, it's kind of like she Starbucks. Have it there, oh, so yeah, you'd have Starbucks. Yeah, yep, we have uh, them here too. There's like a Tim Hortons everywhere. And there's, you know, pizza and the residences, like, if you look at the food that they're eating, like, the environment really isn't conducive to health. Totally. And and I see it so much, you know, like, the freshman 15 is a real thing mm-hmm. and, and something that a lot of people face. And so it can be really challenging. And so I think that it's really important to bring food with you. Like, you know, if you're going to be on campus every day, it's so much easier to just go over to the cafeteria and buy lunch. But if you take that extra, you know, 10, 15 minutes the night before or in the morning before you head to campus to pack a lunch, that is super important. Mm-hmm. Also packing snacks because I know like for myself, like I'll, I'll be in the library on campus and, you know, you're kind of hungry, but you're not really. And it's so easy to just run down and, you know, get something, get a, get a coffee at Starbucks or Tim Hortons and just grab a bagel, grab a cookie, grab a donut because they're and you're hungry and you just want to munch on something. So having like nuts or healthy, you know, healthier options available, like just in your bag all the time is a really good habit to get into because then that way if you're hungry, you have something there and you don't need to kind of let that like, you know, when you get hangry and yes. in the afternoon, right? So it kind of can curb that. And I think a lot of times it, it comes back to that learning how to cook and learning to know your food and to prepare for it because you're, you're setting yourself up for success. And and especially like I know the other thing, I'm, I'm a morning person, but I know a lot of students are night people. They do all their studying late at night. And that's when like all, like, and I was like that in my undergrad 
where you start snacking at like 10 and you have a coffee with like, I used to drink like a double, double, double cream, double sugar in my coffee because I didn't like coffee, but I wanted you to stay did? up. Yeah. Hilarious. And it were like, actually it was green tea. Ew. I used to drink green tea with coffee and milk or coffee with and cream sugar. And cream sugar? And sugar. Isn't that gross? It's pretty nasty. Yeah. Because oh. <laughs> I thought I was being healthy because I was drinking green tea. And then... <laughs> There it is. Right? So I think it's really about educating and especially on campus, like doing the best. I don't go to campus that much anymore and I'm at home. And sometimes that's actually harder because unless you've set up your kitchen without having all the junk food, it's really easy to just keep snacking throughout the day. So it comes back to eating mindfully and actually taking breaks to eat versus eat and study at the same time mm-hmm. is another thing that I think is really... Yeah. Or work or yeah. take care of your kids or whatever it is your lifestyle yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so those are some things like you just have to watch because campuses really oftentimes they're getting a little bit better. Actually, our campus just got a little grocery store in Aww. in the basement of like the main community place, and so that's kind of cool that they actually have like fresh fruits and vegetables available on campus now, yeah. which is cool. And sure uh, is if you're in a so, bind, exactly. And so I think like knowing your campus and knowing what's around you that's pretty close. The other thing is is that you know you're on a, if you're a student you're probably on a budget right. and eating healthy can be expensive. That's just kind of the reality of it. So learning, you know, the dirty dozen and the clean 15, knowing, you know, which things you can maybe get that aren't organic and things like that and budgeting your, your food accordingly. The other thing is, is in my budgeting, I prioritize healthy food and things like that above other things. Like I don't go to the movies. I don't watch TV, like things like that, because mm, I would rather take point. the money that I totally. would spend the movie theater and put that towards healthy food. Yeah. So, you know, when you're a student on a budget, you can really look at how you're spending your money and making the best decisions because a lot of times as a student, there is a little bit of wiggle room. You know, if you don't go to the campus pub on Wednesday and, you know, like things like that where you can save a little bit of money and then invest that in your food. So that's something that you can kind of play around with and get to know or a lot of different grocery stores will have like, you know, 10% off for students on Tuesdays and things like that. So getting to know things around there where you can save a little bit of money and still buy some healthy food and yeah, those are some things that I've done personally. I love that and I think that regard. – I'm glad we focused on Canvas but I think that really goes for regardless of where you are in your life yeah. and I think especially when you're traveling and you guys have a great podcast on both travel tips and uh-huh. on um, the budgeting for your food and so I'll post the links to both of those in the show notes but also yeah. – I, th- I really loved what you said there about knowing your environment, knowing where you are. So if you go to a new city, you know, the first thing I do is I, like, locate the Whole Foods and I locate the juice bars and I just, you know, kind of know what, what I'm going to do. And, you know, it's easier in some cities than others, some places than others. But, um, you know, then you know how much you need to prepare for your day, for your trip, for whatever. And I think that that's really crucial. And I love the other piece you started to talk about, which is when you're home a lot, it seems, and you know, I'll speak for myself, I, I find sometimes when I'm home and the kitchen's right there, it's like I work from home and I think, oh, you know, well, I need a snack now. Or, I need, you know, and it's like well, just because mm-hmm. the kitchen is there. But if I had been out working from a coffee shop, like I would have brought my one snack and I would have been good. So I think that that's like an emotional eating component. So I would love if both of you could address emotional eating and that emotional tie to food and um and how mindful eating and enlightened eating and just being present with your food is beneficial. But if any of you, um, if either of you have struggled with emotional eating at any time in your life and maybe share some of your authentic story with that. I would, um, most recently, 
uh, was really when I had the kids and I, you know, after you serve them all day long, right. And then the end of day hits and Neil talked about that as a student, how like that 10 o'clock temptation to start studying and snacking with it. Yeah, like witching hour. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And that's really common for moms is you have this feeling of you've done everything for everyone else all day and then the house goes to sleep and it's like, all right, my, my little treat, that chocolate and that whatever. And then that one square of chocolate can turn into a whole bar. And, you know, I certainly went experience that even though, you know, I know, I know fundamentally that's not the greatest thing to do for my body. It's just that emotional, I deserve it kind yep. of approach with food. And um, so I think the best, what I, what I found worked for me is I would kind of separate myself from what I was doing in that moment and say, okay, this is interesting. What, it, what's driving this? I'm not hungry. Or if I was hungry, I would, I would look and say, okay, what, what didn't I nourish myself with at dinner? Um, and it's usually fats and proteins, right? We, we know that um, often if we're, we're eating a lot of low fat foods, we're craving a lot of sugar because often they're pumped with sugar. And so it creates this cycle. But um, I would kind of backtrack. And I, I've really made healthy fats one of my main um, weapons, I think, in, in really combating that because I used to have a real tough time with sugar. And that really helped. Um, so, And I think it's important to replace better rituals, you know, in, in – in those times where we're reaching for sugar and stuff. So if we, let's say, you know, whether it's like three o'clock, you're hitting the drive through lane or at night when everyone's gone to bed, um, reward yourself in some other way than, than using food as that tool. That's what I started to do. So I went out and I, I bought myself a new beautiful, um, teapot and I would make like a really delicious tea. Maybe I would grab something from David's tea or, or whatever, and, and just have a new ritual where I would sit down and I would listen to a podcast and sip my tea really slow. And it wasn't that I was ever hungry. I was just mind mindlessly snacking on things and treating that as my reward. So another thing could be, you know, a self-care ritual. Instead of reaching for sugar at the end of the day, go upstairs and maybe you purchase yourself a, a really clean self-care line and, and you spend 20 minutes taking care of your face and, you know, putting on a face mask or taking an Epsom salt bath or, you know, there's lots of other substitutes in place of mindless eating when we're not hungry Mm, you guys I love this so much like (laughs) you're so great and that that's so true I mean I had when I had um Julie on Julie Pyatt who we all love oh we love her yeah we love her when when she was on she says that she every night has like a really rich um like cashew milk latte or or something and the point isn't really what she drinks but it's like her nightly ritual that she enjoys that time and sits and drinks something and I love what you said there Ange about sitting with your tea and because that really is the case it's like what are we really hungry for are we lonely are we wanting to relax I know for me my big trigger is I use food to relax in a lot of ways. It's like, okay, I've worked hard all day. Now my sweet potato yeah. comes out of the oven. Now it'll be from the crock pot. Totally. <laughs> it'll be ready. I won't have to wait. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, and then it's like, okay, now is my time. To, like, But it's like, no, like, all right, I could eat, and then I could still take that time after. So you, Because I would feel like, okay, well, dinner's over. How can I relax some more? I want to prolong this by eating yeah. more. But it's not that I'm hungry. It's just I want to stay in that relaxed state. So. Yeah. I love that, and I think that that's 
that's super powerful. Thank you for yeah, sharing well, that. And one thing I thought of when you were saying that, yeah. my husband and I started, because it's, it's super chaotic for us at dinner time. Like I have a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. They actually still won't even eat on their own. So we're working through a bit of dysfunction there. <laughs> we're feeding them still a lot just to get them to eat, you know. But um, what we started doing was we would feed them, get them baths, and then they would go up and, and kind of have their downtime and, and read books with each other while my husband and I would eat dinner together. Um, nice. So it was just what we have to do right now. I used to have this vision in my head of this perfect little family sitting around a table and everyone eating and connecting. And, and I know that day will come down the road, but we're definitely not there right now. So this is just something we did to try to uphold that that you know real relaxing part of dinner and that connect time between us because it was chaos before. So. Yeah, sometimes you have to just um, come up with a better system because I think that dinner time is really important. Yeah, I think it's true. I feel like it's the, you know, everyone says breakfast, but I feel like it's the most important meal of the day for relaxing and for taking time for yourself. And a lot of people yeah. use dinner as that that thing. I've never really thought about it that way before, but that's that's interesting. How about you, Jill? Do you do you find that with dinner? And what are is that kind of your emotional most emotional meal? Maybe. Yeah, I I think that there is totally something to the emotion behind eating because it is more than just like the physical act of like mastication, like chewing food, putting it in. Yes. And it's something like that I've really personally like totally had an evolution with how I look at food. Um, when I was, you know, when I was competing and measuring out my food, I, I looked at food totally different than how I do now. And, and I would have this guilt if I ate something that wasn't on my meal plan, you know, like, mm-hmm. or you have your like, I'm doing air quotes, like cheat meals or whatever they call them. And I would have all this guilt about it. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy that food is running my life. And the way I feel about the food is impacting me well after I'm done eating. You know, like I would eat something and then I'd be thinking about it two hours later. And I was like, that's so wrong. Like it's taking me out of being fully present in that moment because half of my brain is still back there thinking about, oh, you know, I really shouldn't have had that extra serving of whatever, or, you know, things like that. So enjoying food and making it fun. That's something that I really love because I feel like in life, a lot of people don't have as much fun as they can. You know, even when I teach yoga, like I love, I love my class to be like a playground where people can have fun because as adults, we kind of lose that childlike play fun attitude so the same thing goes for food and that's one thing I learned a lot from from my friend David Wolf he like has so much fun with eating and enjoys it and he's really taught me how to just have fun with food and not take it so seriously and when you do that and you let go it takes a lot of those negative emotions out just because you're you're having fun and you're smiling and you're happy and but this is like something that I've really I find very interesting. I actually just wrote an article about like food psychology because there is science behind sort of supporting the idea if you have a food and you have negative emotions like guilt or stress associated with that food, it's digested differently in your body and stored differently and more as fat versus if you eat a food that might not be the healthiest but you enjoy it and you are happy and you have fun with it it actually is digested differently and more things are absorbed, more of the nutrients, the good nutrients that are there. So there is sort of science behind the fact to support that you need to have a positive attitude towards your food because it affects your body differently. So cool. Isn't that cool? Super cool. I yeah. love that. And I'm super starstruck and, you know, 
and love that you are friends with David Avocado Wolf. I know. Uh, I love how she drops that. Like, yeah. David Wolf. He's awesome. <laughs> it's so epic. But I also love that you shared that he's chill about food. You know, totally. like even this hugely big name is chill us. about food and pleasure is part of his life. Yeah. Can you share something that people would be surprised to learn about David Wolf? Yeah, um, please. I think... Hmm. Well, we'll put your podcast with him below for sure. Yeah. That's how I met him was when we podcasted. Amazing. Um, something that people wouldn't know. Um, okay. Oh, wait. This is something that I learned from him that I do all the time that is like revolutionized. Oh, nice. Life. I'm excited. Is, and I think I've talked about it. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm obsessed with mushrooms now because of him. Like um, medicinal mushrooms and shaga especially right so he calls yeah. shaga the king of mushrooms and he at his house in hawaii has a crock pot on the kitchen and it's constantly brewing shaga all the time there's that crock pot again yeah right? so i got to use it for it's brewing chaga tea because shaga you can actually brew 30 times if you're making it wow and and it's more powerful to simmer it so he uh when he first taught me how to make it he said you know just simmer it for you know a day or two on really low in the oven and then so what i would would do is i would make like giant pots of shaga and then i put it in mason jars in the fridge because i'm obsessed with mason jars and then i would mix it half hot water half the brewed shaga and I would drink like lukewarm tea but now I have like shaga on demand because I saw what he did so he has the shaga brewing all the time and then when the water starts to get clear you just take out the old uh, shaga add in new and you just keep brewing it all the time and then when you're done with the shaga you can take it he taught me this too and you can put it in alcohol and you can make a tincture out of it so when you brew it it takes all the water soluble nutrients out but then the alcohol soluble ones are still left so when you put it in the vodka and make a tincture, you then get all the alcohol-soluble nutrients. And then when you're done with that, he said you should plant it in your garden because it's still very nutrient-dense for your garden. Wow. So the, the, the shaga crock pot is Sustainable like, shaga. It's revolutionary. And shaga to me feels amazing in my body. I love how he – it almost Same. feels like it's hugging like the inside of my body. I like feel it like feels- it gives my tummy a massage. Yeah. So I, oh, I love it. Um, so that's what I do. And then I just got like a little mini crock pot. It was like $12. It's this cute little one. And so it's just a small one on my counter and, and I make chaga in it. So that's your chaga pot. Okay, cool. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm totally thinking, I was like, I got this crock pot, but I got to use that for my sweet potatoes. Now I'm going to have to get another one. This is perfect. I'll just get a small one. <laughs> yeah. They're really cute. And they're, they're like probably everywhere and it's just tiny. It doesn't take up a lot of room. And then you do that. So yeah, that's something I learned his house in Hawaii. He has that all the time going. And it's so. always warm. Yeah. And it's warmer. Exactly. Wow. Love yeah. that. Amazing. Sure. <laughs> mm. This conversation has just been like so juicy and the time has flown, but I want to ask my, um, signature question before we get to our quick fires so um i want to know your morning routines any specifics and how you guys start your days and how that's important for how the rest of your day goes you want to go first sure uh okay so i get up usually somewhere between 6 6 30 um, because my kids get up around seven so i like to have at least a half an hour to get a grip on life and I wake up in the morning to peppermint oil I massage it into my, the back of my neck and I breathe it in and and then I go in the bathroom and I do some oil pulling and then I 
Um, while I'm swishing oil around in my mouth, I, I go downstairs and I start to kind of prepare lunches and, and like if they're school that day, I get their lunches ready and, and prepare breakfast for them. And I put the kettle on and, uh, and for myself, I, for the last eight months or so, I've been doing this like fatty coffee in the morning called, well, it's, people know it as bulletproof coffee, yeah. I guess, but, uh, I, I make a, a blend up for myself. It has organic coffee and MCT oil and grass-fed butter and turmeric and cinnamon and I blend that up and, and I sip away on that after I've done um, my oil pulling and tongue scraping or whatever and, and kind of enjoy that in the morning before the house wakes up and, um, and I look over my day and one of the things Jill and I have talked about a lot on the podcast is that approach to your day of like eating that frog or tackling that really heavy task right away in the morning. So I, I usually will look at my day and, and this monstrous to-do list that I've created for myself and I narrow it down to like two or three things that I know if I do, I will feel really great about my day and probably sleep really good that night. So I, I highlight them on my to-do list and I make sure they happen and, um, and sometimes I'll tackle that really heavy first thing before the kids get up and then, and then that's my day. I usually don't do my own um, work out until around 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, I, I, my, I work from home usually on a good day between like 9 and 1, so I'll do my own little workout after at around 10 o'clock in the morning. But, uh, you know, I used to, in, in a previous life, when I was like, you know, working a corporate job, I would get up and move my body first thing in the morning. So that's a little bit different for me. But that's that's generally how my days start. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I, I, uh, I get up pretty early. Uh, just naturally, that's when my body wakes up, and that's kind of newish for me the past couple of years. So I just kind of go with it. I don't set an alarm or anything like that. And and when so I get cool. up, when I get up, I'm like I'm a morning person, huge. Like I wake up and I'm like energized and like ready to take on the day. And if, like at nighttime, I'm not so much. I'm the complete <laughs> so, opposite. I can stay up till two in the morning and work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get up and uh, scrape my tongue. And some days I'll oil pull, some days I won't. Like I'm maybe three times a week, uh, I'll do that. I would do it more. I just sometimes forget and just don't do it. And then I, I will go and I, I used to meditate to go right to meditation. And recently I've started to do yoga asana first, so yoga postures, and I move my body and however it wants to go. So I don't like have a DVD that I put on. I just kind of go on my mat and I just do whatever I feel like, what feels good in my body, which has been really cool because even as a yoga teacher, it was weird at me, weird for me at first to go on my mat and not have like a sequence plan in my head and to do it. But it's actually been really good because it allows you to connect more with your body and to, you know, sometimes it's a really vigorous, like I'll be doing a more vigorous flow. Sometimes it's very like yin style and I hang out in like supported fish and pigeon pose for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I'll move my body a little bit and then I'll sit and I'll meditate. And my meditation practice has actually really changed since I did that. And it kind of makes sense because the whole purpose of yoga asana, like what what yoga poses that people do in class, the whole purpose of them, they were designed so that someone, you could sit comfortably in meditation. Yeah. So the fact that I am moving my body and then sitting in meditation kind of makes sense. So I'll meditate and my meditation practice is totally all over the place. And it's not an easy practice for me. Something that I feel like resistant to do oftentimes in the morning, but I always am happier in the end when I do it. So sometimes I'll like put on like Julie's gyro release meditation and follow her whole half an hour um, practice. Some days I'll 
put on like, I'll go on YouTube and I'll type in like five minute guided meditation and I'll just like listen to what YouTube has. Or sometimes I'll just sit and breathe. Sometimes I'll do like a mala beads, which are like those yoga necklaces for those of you listening that don't know what a mala is. It's like a, it's like a yoga rosary. Basically you use the beads to count your breath or your mantra that you're saying. So I'll do, sometimes I'll do a mala or sometimes I'll just sit and sometimes I'll lay down. I'm kind of really open with it and allow different, different things. But I think just the fact that you stop and you find your breath before the day, it sets you up for a day like that. I find like, you know, people that wake up and they run out of bed and they rush straight from the morning, that kind of energy carries throughout the day most of the time. So when you can stop and pause and then bring that energy forward, it totally changes your day. So I'll meditate and, uh, and then I'll put on my hot water and I'll make a coffee. I love making coffee in a French press. So it's like my favorite the thing. Ritual of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love I love the coffee in French press. And someday I'll do Bulletproof uh, too. I, di- I was really – I tried it for a month straight and I liked it. And then I find when I travel and stuff, it's not as easy to keep up. And then – so I kind of play with it. I haven't – I'm still on the fence about that. And then I'll – then I'll, the same thing, like as Ange said, I will – look at my to-do list. I use Evernote. Do you use Evernote? Love Evernote. Yeah. So I'll have my Evernote of like what I want to do that day. And the same thing that eat the frog is really important. And I'll prioritize what my day is. I'll look at the schedule if I have like meetings or I teach or whatever's going on and kind of map out my day so that I have a rough plan of what, what I need to get accomplished. And then I will start tackling the day. Mm. Yeah. So good. This was exactly why I ask this question to everyone who comes on because it's so interesting to get mm-hmm. people's different perspectives and then you kind of have a buffet to choose what you want. And and that's the thing with morning routines. I think it's – I used to be really dogmatic about it. And it's like mm-hmm. I got to oil pull, got to get the lemon, got to do, 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 And it's like can freak you out, you know, and that's, again, not <laughs> the point. And so I think it's really awesome to hear that it, that it changes. Mine is fluid. Sometimes when mm-hmm. it's nice out, I go on a walk. Sometimes I do yoga. And it's like it's really cool to just – be chill about it and to allow different things because each day is different and just just mm-hmm. notice that. The other thing I forgot, I journal in the morning as well. And it and a lot of times it looks like I know you've talked about it on your podcast before, the the artist way, the morning yeah. pages. I do that a lot and just kind of like that allow that free flowing letting uh, it out. Totally. Yeah. I'll do that as well. Sometimes sometimes in the evening, but usually most in the morning. And it, it kind of is nice just to get out whatever's in my head so that I can move on with like a clear head. Me too. I find I really can't meditate until I get those thoughts out and I just mm-hmm. clean them. So I love that. Um, so now if you guys could talk through your evening rituals and the last few things you do to wind down, just some top line things. Um, this is Ange. I, I do, I usually do like a 10 minute prep the night before for the next day. So I'll set up gym clothes, I'll um, kind of figure out what's happening for breakfast the next morning, I'll pull things out of the freezer for dinner the next night, um, so kind of just, you know, make sure the whole house is kind of organized, like the kitchen, all that area, and just, so when we wake up in the morning, it's not like you're playing catch-up, Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I have a really great self-care ritual that I love, I, I make my own skincare with um, organic oils and, and pure grade essential oils, and I, so I'll do oil cleansing on my face, and um, sometimes I'll put a mask on. I rarely take a bath. I, I wish I had. I wish that's something I could carve more time out for. Um, but by the time I'm doing my own self care, the house, like, like the kids are asleep, so I probably wake them up. So I, I just spend about 20 minutes cleaning my face and just kind of 
listening to music or a podcast or something in a day. And then my husband and I uh, will usually, like, we love movies and getting into shows. We just started watching Orange is the New Black. Have you watched that? Uh, is that our book? I saw a book at the bookstore. The I don't know. We, just, we just discovered it on Netflix, and I think more people know about it than we did. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so funny. The last guest that I just interviewed said that I asked what she does to relax, and she said, watch is Orange is the New Black. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's actually a really entertaining show. We like that one and Homeland, and I'm just getting into Girls. Do you watch Girls? Yeah. Yeah, I just started watching that too. So we, we kind of just like hang out and um, and watch that. And, so I, and then I usually stay up about an hour – or sometimes two hours after he goes to bed. And that's when I do a lot of my business work, a lot of email follow-up. And I really was working on that for the last year to not be on email all the time, um, but to actually set like buckets throughout my day. So like first thing in the morning and then generally around three in the afternoon. And then again at like 10 o'clock at night, I'll, I'll hop back on email. So I don't feel like I'm just constantly connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my, you know, usually how my nights go. Nice. My nights end pretty early. <laughs> I'm like, I swear I'm like an elderly person. Me too. <laughs> I, I like to be in bed like before 10. And like when I say that, that's like a really more like 9, 930. Um, I, I like to read right before bed and not on my iPad, but an actual physical book. Uh, so I try to get off screens before I go to sleep. Um, and then I, I read. And actually, I was listening to Ty Lopez. He has a podcast called The Grand Theory of Everything. And he talked about how there's like you should read biographies before bed because you shouldn't read something that's really like like an inspirational book or a motivational book because you're kind of trying to wind down and and I reflected on that and I, I do that a lot and I I think that's really smart because I don't want to like read some super interesting exciting book and then I get all jazzed up and then I can't sleep so I I do that I I um I read I brush my teeth I I don't I use a sea sponge and I just kind of like wash my face with water usually at night and then I'll put on like oil. Like an, I'm really into emu oil actually on my skin right now. It feels really nice. And then I go to bed. That's it. It's pretty <laughs> – I don't I, – I love Julie's like drinking a turmeric latte and stuff like that but I don't usually do that. Sometimes I'll have like a, a decaf green tea before but I try not to drink too much because then I have to get up in the middle of the night. So <laughs> Again, elderly. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I love um, you guys. Yeah. Those morning and evening routines make me want to have a sleepover with you guys and do right? all that stuff and then wake up and have crock pot breakfast and <laughs> cuddle all day. It's going to be right? So I'll be like mom and Jill will be like your grandma. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to visit London and hang out. Place to be. It is. I the know. Other, the other thing about my nighttime that I wanted to add yeah. is my room is super dark when I sleep. And like a cave, like dark, yeah. I have blackout blinds. There's no lights. There's no anything. I don't keep my cell phone um, yeah. near my bed anymore. There's nothing kind of like that. I find like being in a dark room is really beneficial for yeah. getting a deep sleep. It, it is. And we did a whole episode here. I don't know if you guys heard it, but I had Sean Stevenson back on the show when he his book Sleep Smarter came out for the Wellness Wonderland Sleepover. And that's that's a huge thing. Blacking out my room yeah. is has been huge. I said this on that show, but I even put a sock over my um, smoke detector so I wouldn't have that light because every little light actually your mm-hmm. skin can, can absorb. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. All right. So quick fire questions. You guys ready for them? Oh, we're ready. <laughs> All right. Favorite color? 
Do you want us to both shout them out? Yeah. We'll go you, then me. So we'll go Angela. Yeah, Shaw. either order, either order. Okay, okay. Favorite color you got. Favorite color, army green. Pink. <laughs> nice. What is the biggest health misconception you're constantly clearing up for people? Mm, low fat. I go low fat too. Yeah. Still, sadly. <laughs> what are you most excited about in your life? What's next for you? Oh man, these are not quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was a big one. Um, I love public speaking, so for me, it would be getting on bigger stages. And for me, it's just kind of possibility. I don't know what lays ahead for me, and I'm really excited about that. Nice. Favorite yoga pose? King pigeon. King pigeon. Ooh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Love it. Opening. Mine right now would probably be supported fish. Love mm. supported fish. Get to the thyroid. Mm. <laughs> Favorite day of the week? Sunday. Uh, third. I really like Thursdays. I don't know why. I like Thursdays yeah. too because it's like anticipation for the weekend. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I like Thursdays. Why people like Christmas Eve? <laughs> <laughs> Favorite hour of the day? Um. I love three o'clock ish because it's like majority of the work's been done and then I'm usually prepping food for dinner and it's just super chill. I put on country music, chop up veggies. I love it. 4.30 AM. And I think, I don't know, Julie, Julie once told me that at that time the world is quiet and so there's more energy available and she's right. Oh, that's so true. It's true. You guys are really selling me on the grandma hour. Yeah. (laughs) Way to go. Magic time. That's what I always say. It is magic time. Favorite vegetable? Um, zucchini. I don't want to say kale because I feel like that's too trendy. <laughs> but kale. <laughs> Favorite fruit? Avocado. Avocado. Oh, snap. <laughs> Hands down. Favorite on-the-go snack? Um, oh, boy. I make these homemade, like, raw vegan energy bars. I love them. I always have one in my bag. We'll right post now, the link to that. Sure. I'll, yeah, I'm going to send you some recipes. Right now, I would say cherries because cherries are in season oh, and they're so, so good. I bought $20 worth of cherries at the market. Oh, I do. That. Yeah. <laughs> I am just like a cherry aholic right now. I don't know what's going on. They're so good. Yeah. You're making out some cherries. <laughs> oh, they're so good. So here's a little scenario for you guys. So it's like 7 p.m. We'll say, let's say you haven't, haven't meal prepped or something like went wrong or something. And you've had a long day and you're beat and you're starving. What would be your go-to simple recipe that you know that you'll probably have on hand that you can grab for yourself? Mm. Um, I would do I, – I just love to saute things like really simply greens in some coconut oil, add in whatever veggies I have in my fridge or I'll make up a big like produce bin soup. Like I'll just take whatever I have in my produce bin, I'll clean it. And then put it on the stove and puree it up. It always works out. Every good soup starts with onion, carrot, celery, spices, and then mm-hmm. add whatever else in. And you're good to go. Love that. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I, I probably would just grab a whole bunch of vegetables, steam them, and then throw them in the Vitamix and make soup. Mm, that sounds good too. Yeah, it's so good. And you really like you can't go wrong. You yeah. No, it's so, so easy. True. Love that. So if you could have a superhero power for a day, what would it be? Ooh. <laughs> um. <clears throat> mine would be to have little task rabbits up here all day long that do things for me and do it well. Ooh, <laughs> task rabbits. I like that. That's a great one. <laughs> they just pop up like little cute bunnies and say, what would you like done? And I'll do it perfectly for you. <laughs> I want that too. I want that too. That's a good one. 
Um, I think that I always say like, I wish that I, how I feel sometimes because I feel so good in my body. And I think that if people could feel that feeling, they would act differently. Mm. So I would give that feeling to everybody. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. What are your favorite movies? Oh, okay. So growing up, I loved Princess Bride. I actually walked Mm. down the aisle to the theme song. Um, but now, okay, my, my favorite movies are the ones where all the people are connected in some way, like yeah. Eve or Valentine's Day, you know those, oh, those ones? Are so good, yeah. Because I feel like that's life, right? Like, uh-huh. we're all just, like, one connection away from each other, and, yeah, uh, yeah those are my favorite. And I love Jessica Biel. I don't know. <laughs> we should watch one of those when we have our sleepover. <laughs> okay, see? The perfect night is coming together. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't really watch movies, because I just fall asleep. Like, as soon as you sit me in front of a movie theater. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But I love Dirty Dancing. And in December, I love watching Love Actually. Oh, me too. It's so good. Well, maybe we'll have to strategically plan the the visit around when we can watch that movie. Because I only allow myself to watch it around Christmas time. Actually. I I love Hugh Grant. He's so cute. He is. He is. (laughs) Favorite books? Um... Books. Okay, my my all time favorite is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I love C.S. Lewis, um, and then I think most currently anything by Danielle Laporte. I love Firestarter yeah. Sessions, mm-hmm. Desire Map. Jill actually led a book club in the summer. I was in the yeah. summer. No, in the it was, fall. It was it cold. Was, it was cold. Out. Cold yeah. out. So. She led a book club yeah. on the Desire Map, and it was awesome to read that. Yeah. Um, for me, I think like the book that's been the most game changing in my life is The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. Um, I also love Finding Ultra. <laughs> oh, yes. of course. And uh, I think also the Gita. I put the Gita up there too. The God yeah. of Gita. Yeah. Powerful books. Oh my gosh. You guys are so awesome. So I want to leave you with the question I ask everyone. And as you guys know, the name of this podcast and my blog is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you guys to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you? Um, oh man. I knew I, I was going to be asked this question. I meant to think of a really good you answer. Did, yeah. yeah, but well, I didn't. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't. Wellness Wonderland to me feels like weaving a couple of different things playfulness, creativity, being in service to others, and just being really true to who you are. If you can find a career and a, and a life that hits those things, for me, that, that's of most importance. Mm, I love that. That's good. Really good. Oh, okay. So for me, I think that living in a wellness wonderland is living from your heart and honoring that. So doing things that feel really good, that fulfill you, that make you happy. And and when you do that, you live an authentic life. You feel fulfilled. You feel happy. You feel grateful. And, you know, having that heart-centered life and leading that way, being fearless, being brave, and being fun and happy and blissful. Mm being well you guys are so amazing i love you so much i'm so glad that everyone got to hear this and hear our just authentic conversation and i hope everyone checks out your podcast and everything you guys are doing just stalk them get obsessed with them online because they're awesome and thank you guys so much for being here thank Thank you you for having us in wonderland are you going to come over to holistic health diary land soon katie oh my god that'd be an honor i'd love to yeah okay well we'll we'll plan a date for you to come to london and we'll we'll do a a flip record and have a sleepover. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.